something else I would say too, and I would say this about my church, and I would say this about uh, the the church, maybe what I'm feeling from pastors and hearing about their churches, is they're kind, they're 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 getting anxious in a good way that we're we're tired of being a post COVID church, like we're tired of surviving COVID. Welcome to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. I don't think there's... Even one pastor, even the pastors who have said their churches have increased in financial giving or members, not one pastor who has who hasn't said their church has significantly changed, lost members, went through personal spiritual struggle, and their churches went through deep, deep difficulties during COVID. That this is a, there is a sweeping challenge that lasted years, and we're still kind of getting over it. You know, it's kind of like a sickness, and you have to go to, you know, rehab after. Like you're better and you're walking, but you're still going to, uh, you know, therapy or well, what's the word? You know, you're 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 going in for exercises and medicine and seeing your doctor. Like we're. We're, we're still muscles being strengthened that were atrophied during during COVID. Um, so a lot of every church really has to think about who are we, how are we doing, what are we doing, what's going on, <laughs> what just happened. So you you and I you and I talked a lot about that, and you know, you've had conversations with other pastors and even with your church members obviously about how are we how we're we doing what's going on so we were we were thinking about how do we how do we kind of triage what has happened and where we are and what is kind of the gospel hope uh, what is what is some scripture in redemptive history that can help us in, in our situation where we are so for, for, for kind of the, the triage of where we are in three categories, the uh, thinking in terms of Israel and the Exodus, right? Not to totally connect ourselves to that situation, but to use that as kind of a lens. Thinking about the wilderness out there, what's the scenario that we're in? What's the atmosphere, the environment that we're in uh, on the other side of Exodus, for example? Um, then thinking of the church as the flock, what is the... What is the state of the sheep? How are the sheep doing? And then what is the state of the shepherds? How are the how are the shepherds doing? And then think intentionally about, okay, in this moment, in this atmosphere with our sheep in this state, what do we what do we do next? And what are we what do we do? How are we thinking about where we're going next as a church, as a as a as a pastor? And I've got thoughts about my own church, but we can think generally even about uh, you know, the church. Uh, in, in America, maybe specifically for us. So um, thinking in terms of 
uh, the wilderness first. What would you say is the kind of COVID and and now post-COVID environment that you find your church in today? Like, how would you describe this is the landscape, sheep? This is this is where we are as we look around. Oh man! Um, I, I, so I'm going to answer. I'm going to, at least from my perspective, answer this broader than my own church because I think. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think we're like every church probably in in many respects, and then also maybe a little bit different too. So I would rather say like, okay, here's what I perceive just in talking with pastors and things like that of what their churches are. Um, and some experiences that, that I had, and I think that I can relate to in terms of COVID. And I will say this, that the state of COVID and the way it kind of transpired and all that kind of stuff in Alabama and particularly Tuscaloosa was a good bit different than some people I know in the rest of the nation, as in like, like you, for example, in Austin had a much higher sensitivity, not you in particular, but the city of Austin had a much higher sensitivity to the pandemic and COVID and all those kinds of things than Tuscaloosa did. So it's, it's, it's kind of strange because like, I think a lot of like the reaction to the virus and things like that was regional. Like you didn't have the same react. Like I would listen to, you know, news stories and things like that of people that are in New York or then in Austin or then California or whatever. And I, I remember thinking like y'all's experience in this is so different than mine, <laughs> you know, cause we, we didn't have a lot of those, those kinds of things. There weren't a ton of like lockdowns and things like that. But that being said, there was a lot of commonality, I think in, um, in the response of Christians. And I think one big thing, and tell me what you think about this, but at least the assessment of it, I think COVID provided an excuse for many who attended church to stop attending church. So there is a, maybe a group of people who were sort of marginal attenders who once COVID hit and we were locked down or we were shut in or we were streaming online, saw it as an opportunity to stay away from people in the church and either stop going or transition to another church, a church that maybe they had always wanted to go to. Is that, that to me seems to be a common thing, not just in our church, but across churches in in basically with every pastor that I've I've talked to is that is that been is that fair Yeah, I think it's fair, but we also asked our church not to meet for a considerable amount of time. Like we were online doing services in in Zoom and and you know on YouTube live and thing like th- and things like that. So it for us it it wasn't like you know, we came to church one Sunday, we couldn't get our church to come back. You know, like we we didn't gather, and even when we began to gather as a church on Sunday morning, it was still kind of an exception, and it was kind of new, and we weren't getting together during the week yet in small groups and homes even, and we had a mixture of online for a while. Um, so, yeah, it 
it, it's it did reveal that, but also I think we, um, it, it became that in some ways too. So I think it was, a, it was a mixture of things, but yeah, I think I think if someone's looking for an excuse, um, then yeah, it's even harder now to come back from that. We for so long, um, you know, had uh, church only. We had then we we had like separating, you know, spacing out. And I would say probably we did that for less of a period of time than many people that I know. And so you you end up with this situation in the church where you're almost encouraging separation and discouraging fellowship and community and so many things that are fundamental pieces to the church. And it, and it does it does make you wonder how long can a church do that and perpetuate those things without it having serious ramifications on the people that are that are in the church. And and I got to say like I, there's so many times where I look back at COVID and that period of time of whatever it was, 2 years and think to myself, man, what would I have done differently? If if I knowing then knew what I knew what I know now, go, taking what I know now and going back to then, what would I have changed? How would how would I have responded differently? What would you have done differently as a pastor of church? Oh gosh, I don't know. I wasn't ready for you to ask that question yet, but I think um, I, I can think of a host of things. Um, you know, I I I think I so soon got stuck in this will be over soon, and, and all of the normal means of grace that we enjoyed will pick back up, and they'll be and we'll be fine. Um, so I'd say the the thing I would change would probably from the onset think of this as a serious crisis be prepared to play the long game and 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 think more critically about what we're doing rather than just thinking hey well well this is almost over and we're just going to make it through um i I think that would be one kind of disposition about everything that i would have done differently what we missed in a lot of this is the psychology of staying away from someone what that actually does to someone's mind and right. what that does to their habits and their fears and their anxieties and their their all kinds of things, their stresses. When when we discouraged getting together, um, you know, we uh, it, it it communicated and, and and kind of perpetuated this psychological impact, I think, on people mm-hmm. where they instead of uh, anytime they did get together, anytime they they fellowshiped it felt like they were doing something wrong and Mm -hmm. they were afraid of it and you know i would say relatively quickly i began to figure out that this is not going to go away in terms of it's not just going to disappear even when even if the virus passes you know it Mm -hmm. blows through our area and the things are on the decline and you know the numbers are all on the decline and things like that that it's still not going to be one of those things that just like disappears from the consciousness because of the psychological impact on our people and so i kind of shifted strategy at some point where i started to think instead of instead of going um you know when is this going to end I kind of said, I am not your doctor, (laughs) you know, and really kind of wanted to say more than anything, we're going to meet 
And if you can't meet or if your doctor says don't meet, then, well, fine. But, you know, take any medical advice that you want to take. But it's important for us to meet and we're just going to have to get over it. And that's kind of hard when, like, there are people dying, you know. I mean, there really were, like, people dying at the, at the hands of the virus. And you're kind of caught in this middle ground where you're like, so that's true. But then you have to kind of do an analysis of, like, who is, who is the, who are the ones that are taking the brunt of it? And it seemed to be the elderly, the people that were very sick and had, you know, comorbidities and things like this. And for us, I think it was once that, once kind of the vaccine came out, it was almost like there was no more excuse to really halt doing anything anymore because we we were at the end of everything that we could possibly do to prevent anything and now we actually have to think about taking care of the church and i think it was like going back and looking back on it i'm like that may be one thing that was that was really difficult you know that that we didn't we underestimated was that kind of impact that it would have on the church as a whole and how the regular functioning of the church was not just going to snap back from from this kind of event. And on top of that, the politics of the situation didn't help anything at all either. You know, and you you were always questioning the information that you were getting. It was coming from, you know, different places and you're like what is true and what is false? I don't even know anymore. And I don't even know who to trust on information itself. And so that complicated matters even more because you had people, we had people at least in our church, and I know many people are like this, who are on, you know, different sides of the of the political spectrum and who have very strong opinions about, you know, the politics of the situation. And so, you know, you've got that kind of, you know, voice in your ear too going, you know, well, on one side, we got to get over this. And like, well, the other side, you got to take it serious, you know. And so you're kind of caught in the middle of sort of all these people. And I'm wondering if it wouldn't have been better from the beginning if I hadn't just said, look, our doors are open and I understand if you need to stay home and you need to stay separate. And that might be a very encouraged thing, yeah. you know, by your doctor. Yeah. But go ahead, you know, and go ahead, do that. If that's what you need, we'll stream it online. But for anyone that wants to gather here, our doors are unlocked. Yeah. I'm not too worried about that. I could go back and think of a lot of things I would do differently, um, you know, in, in hindsight. Um, I, I'm concerned thinking now about, you know, the, I'm not too concerned that the things that we did or didn't do, some of them were, were detrimental. Some of them were you know, affected the church potentially negatively. Um, but, I mean, as it sits in the time right now, I'm thinking about how, like, what's going on now? Like, how has this affected us now? What muscles have been atrophied? What rhythms have been broken up? And how now that we're trying to get those back in, how is that going? And... Now, now, what do we do? Well, so that's and that's what I'm getting at is that I think there's so many people for whom church disappeared, and their life, at least according to them, 
did not perceivably change except they got their Sundays back. Mm -hmm. And as a result, many people in the church have not, not just in ours, I just mean like many people in you know the church as a whole left and have not come back in any way to church. Yeah. And don't yeah. and no longer see it as a net positive for society. Yeah. Even just yeah, in I a talked general to a guy sense. this week that had four hundred uh, members of his church going into COVID came out with two hundred. <sighs> Yeah, and and a lot of people have just lost members to uh, all all kinds of things, but I think there's two like the there's uh, an article that I've thought about a few times that came out in uh, uh, about a year after COVID, March 29th, two thousand twenty-one. It's by Sarah Pullen Bailey, and. It's a Washington Post. She's kind of a religious author for Washington Post. She follows SBC a lot and has been at annual meetings, things like that. The cover of the article or the title is Church Membership in the U.S. has fallen below the majority for the first time in nearly a century. And the, even that title is a little bit misleading because as far back as that poll has been going on since 1937 – in 1937, church membership was 73% in America. In 2020, that was down to 47%. So below 50% of people who say, not even a part of a church, but people who are a member of a church, a synagogue, or a mosque, any of those three, that number is now down to 47% and has declined from 70% in around 1999-2000. So COVID, you know, you, you, take, you take that dive of that where, where that chart is already going, and then you add COVID. <laughs> I mean, if you were to, as, I'm, not a, I'm not a great historian, but it's just, those, there's multiple exacerbating factors that affected people's affections for the church, their experience in the church, their relationships to their church, their, their thinking about what a church is or, or not. Um, absolutely. But the, so. And then there's the, you can't forget that some of the uh, division that was caused by the, by the, the virus, that a person who might have been going to church and been in a pretty healthy relationship to the church based on their pastor's actions during COVID and their reaction to the virus. Politically, I mean, that also spurred a, a change in their behavior. So perhaps yeah. the pastor was more serious in treating COVID than they thought was warranted so they left or he wasn't treating it serious enough like they thought he should and so they left you know that we ha we had some of that i think a, a lot of people have had some of that so there there was also uh i think a a like a a kind of a fracturing that took place 
you know, in the church because of the way it was treated in a particular congregation. You know, instead of a church that was like, you know, we're going to stick through this. We realize it's a difficult, difficult thing to parse. Nobody's ever, there's not a book written on this and how to, how to deal with this and what to do. And so we're, we're going to stick it out. We're going to be patient with one another and that kind of thing. So I would say when you ask the question of like what muscles have atrophied, it seems to me like the idea of patiently enduring with one another has changed quite a bit. Not just the advent of social media and those kinds of things, but also that that moment in time of like COVID sort of uh, caused people to divide and fracture inside the body, unlike maybe any other political type thing has ever done before. Is that fair? I don't think that happened for our church. I mean, it happened in, in some, but... And I don't think, we, I, to be yeah. clear, I, I don't think that was necessarily my church top to bottom. Certainly we had some like that, but but it was more uh, in, you know, in people that I talked to and things that you read about, about, especially churches that are bigger churches, based on the way that their pastor respond to a particular thing. Um, you know, I think several well-known pastors had very outspoken congregation, you know, members of their congregation, uh, you know, that spoke out in regards to how they handled it and how they handled it was like, you know, well, they handled it like 50% of the rest of the pastors in the nation. And, you know, that pastor handled it like the other 50% of the rest of the nation, you know, and y'all just wanted to be in the opposite congregations, you know, it was like. But it, but it had that kind of fracturing event. So I'm not necessarily talking just about my church in particular, but more just broadly speaking. Yeah, I think so. And for us, those differences, you know, they were shown in who came back sooner. It didn't really show up in uh, divisiveness in our church. I was very grateful for that. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of humility in our church about um, different perspectives. I can think on... I could count on one hand the number of conversations they got, they got close to something you would call heated about, mm. you know, right. policies and masks and, uh, you know, should we take the Lord's Supper and how and, you know, think you know should we set six feet apart or not things like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, mostly as I said, I think I just think there's a general tiredness that still exists, you know, kind of like COVID itself. Like I got COVID twice. And it wasn't as, as bad for me for other guys, but a common side effect is like you're just tired for a long time after. Even once you're over the illness, your body is just kind of tired. And that's one thing I'm hearing across the board uh, in churches. And not, not every church, I don't know, but I hear it enough and I see it in our church. Um, just kind of a, um, you know, like you... It, it takes less to get tired now, <laughs> you know, like it, uh, strength is low. Um, motivation is harder to come by for some things. Uh, that's growing. It's getting, I can see, I can almost see it getting better in our church even in the last year. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking in terms of the last three years, um, going back to, you know, March 14th, 2020, the first Sunday that we did not gather as a church. And I can see over that course of time that we're still, we're still not our whole strength. And we're an entirely different people too. I mean, we have, 
uh, one of the pastors in my group here in Austin said pretty early on, like, we're going to be pastoring different churches when this yeah. is over. And that's yeah. definitely true for us. We have it's true for us. a lot of members who have been here for 20 years or 10 years, and they're here and serving and faithful and discipling. We've got some people who are you know, taking quasi-leadership roles in our church and serving in, in important ways, and they weren't even here a year and a half ago. They weren't right. even they weren't even at our church or in Austin. So, right. uh, yeah, who who we are as a as a church now? There's just a there seems to be a, a lot of factors that have added to well, what, where are we and who are we right now as as a church? Right. Um, politics have significantly sharpened. Um, the popularity, the participation in the church has declined, and then that hit COVID, and I. I don't even think we're done seeing, you know, in terms of polls and numbers, what COVID will have done to the church. Like, who, yeah. who's going to come back? We're still finding that out, I think, in terms of, you know, it'll be 24, you know, 2024, 2026 kind of range at least before we start seeing, well, what did we, what did we really bounce back when we look at the decade as a whole? Um, but there's just so many factors. And I look at my own church and I see suffering in families and I see you know sicknesses and struggles with faith and struggles with sin and uh, kind of getting into the state of the the flock there but there's just so many layers and circles politics covid exhaustion rhythms um, and I I don't want to be that pastor that just says all oh, the sky's falling but some level of awareness, you have to look around and go, I mean, it's not like, oh, the church never faced this before. But being aware of where we are, there's a lot of factors that mm. make being a Christian, believing in God and in Christ and obeying in obedience to love God, love the church and share the gospel and even just gather with the church. It's challenging. Yeah. Uh, it's just there's a the wilderness well, is and what I was thinking about this way when uh, in in Deuter, the book of Deuteronomy when Moses is remembering the wilderness and kind of retelling that story he refers to it as the great wilderness great and terrifying in Deuteronomy one nineteen <laughs> so. That's just kind of how I feel about our our day right now. There's just a, yeah. a lot. And we're not being persecuted. I, I know I haven't had a member of our church, you know, have their head cut off yet. But there's just there, there's not really. We used to have a com, a more comfortable environment, and it seems like now that is more uncomfortable than ever. And at the same time, and not not you don't mean comfortable in like a bad way or like a negative way, like. You know, oh, you're in your comfort zone and that kind of thing. Do you? I mean, our you mean our, like, our environment was not as hostile feeling. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now it is, and we're tired. Yeah. Now it is, and we just came out of COVID, and it has significantly affected our spirits. Yeah. So just that combination it's, it's almost, of things. It's almost like you, it's almost like going into the boxing ring, feeling like you've already boxed twelve rounds. Yeah. And now you're starting the actual fight. Yeah. And and it, it, it's it there's yeah, like and a, then you, you look a, over in your corner and one of the guys who was helping you, you know, he's gone. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you, but no, I, he's not coming back. 
I haven't talked to one pastor, I think you have, but I haven't talked to one pastor whose congregation hasn't shrunk and their budget hasn't decreased. Yeah, I can think of one. Like, like it's just just the opposite direction that I know personally here in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so it's it, it's um you know, it's crazy how that has worked, you know yeah. that um you know, and I think some of that is changing for us, you know, now being so far removed from it and like things are maybe changing a little bit, but but that is um that that is a significant impact you know, that it, a mark, an indelible mark in some cases, that it, that it left on congregations, you know, families, you know, ministers who are, you know, doing ministry, being paid by the church and feeding their families on their work that they do for the church. And, and things are changing and things are different, yeah. you know. And so it raises, it does raise the question, surely in the back of your mind, like maybe this is the change that, uh, you know, it's not going to change back. In other words, this is going to be the way it is from here on out. Yeah. Something else I would say too, and I would say this about my church and I would say this about uh, the, the church, maybe what I'm feeling from pastors and hearing about their churches is they're kind, they're, 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 they're getting anxious in a good way that we're, we're tired of being a post COVID church. Like we're tired of surviving COVID uh, we're, we, we don't want to manage anymore. Um, so what, you know, ha- having a, a, a desire to run, you know, go for a run now, you know, like when you first get COVID and you're feeling better, I mean, you're exhausted just going to the grocery store. Um, but then eventually you wake up one day and you think, dude, I want to go for like a three mile run. I don't know. That hasn't happened to me yet, but the, <laughs> for, that's for other reasons. When's the last time you went for a three-mile run that wasn't after barbecue truck? <laughs> <laughs> that does happen in Austin. We've had ice cream <laughs> trucks, and we have taco trucks come through our neighborhood, yeah. too. So that, that happens. It's real life. You have no idea how many times I've sat there on the couch watching like a college football game and been like, man, I would, what I wouldn't give for a taco truck to come rolling down the street. Yeah. Right it's now. real in Austin. It really happens. They play the music. They come through. Um, oh, my word. But I think now, if you, increase- but if you, they play the music and you run out there and it's an ice cream truck, are you disappointed? Yeah. You're oh, like, yeah. I don't, I don't want that Ninja Turtle with the bubble gum eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Don't give me one more Choco Taco. Tell me what you think about your church and the churches in Tuscaloosa. I feel like there's an increasing kind of like I'm ready to go run again. I, uh, you know, lead, lead us to something, not out of something. Lead us into yeah. the promised land. We're, you know, Egypt's way back there. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> As an there's over, no doubt. I mean, I think, and I think, I think, um, you know, why, the reason I wanted to kind of speak more in generalities of the church as a whole is because, Obviously, uh, the impact that COVID had on our congregation was, by God's grace, relatively limited, very, really pretty small. And um, and I think for most of our people, it's kind of fading into a distant memory. Um, and like, yeah, that did happen, didn't it? And it was really kind of weird, but I don't remember exactly the timeline, and I don't remember how long, but it didn't seem like that long, you know? It yeah. seemed like a long time while we were in it, but now it doesn't seem like that long, you know? And, and those kinds of things. And I think people are, are not only ready to come back, but then, but then the good part I think about some disappearing people in the church is that people come back and go, 
we really want to fill the pews Mm -hmm. and we want to see, you know, whether it's reaching new people or calling those old people or uh, what, we want to see them come to church. We want to see them come to Jesus. We want to see people uh, saved under gospel ministry. And we don't really, you know, the thing that I'm, I'm hopeful for, and I don't know how, I don't know if this is just pie in the sky or optimism or whatever, or if it if it is a reality, but it, it sort of feels like maybe um, that people might be resigned to saying, "Look, I would if 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 it kills me being around people and ministering to people, then it kills me. That's just the way it's going to be, mm-hmm. and and I'm okay with that." Yeah, and. I think you you almost and, and and that's a I think that's a good spirit to have in the church to say like we actually view death and what happens as a result of death differently than the rest of the world does. And at some point if we really do believe that we we live in eternity with uh Christ following death then maybe we shouldn't be so scared of dying. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You sense that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know sure <laughs> if I'd put it like that, but... Um, How would you put it? I, I, I see that. Um, or maybe I wouldn't say it strongly as you did, but um, I mean, I've definitely seen uh, when we came back a... Uh, an ex- expression of appreciation for singing and gathering and talking after church and spending time together. Um, definitely, definitely saw that, you know, would I die for that? I don't know if I've heard that from anyone, but I see what you're saying. Um, before we kind of specifically think about like the state of the sheep, any last thoughts on just kind of, what the wilderness is like. What's the moment like that we're in? Um, I think it for us, and I, I'll say this specifically for our church, I think it expo- exposes the need of the church members to be cared for um, always and to set up the church in such a way that the sheep will always be cared for by the pastors. Um, and, and, you know, I think, cause I think it was the part of the difficulty, you know, for every church was, you know, normally you have a kind of a care list of people that, you know, kind of need intensive care by the pastor of the church. And sometimes in some churches that that list is public and some churches it's not, it's just kept within the pastoral staff or whatever. But it's people that you're like watching very closely and kind of paying attention to and counseling maybe and talking to and things like that that you're kind of worried about, praying for severely. And, you know, at COVID, like everybody transitions onto the care list. Mm-hmm. You got 100% of your congregation moves from, you know, whereas it, it maybe before is like 1% of your members. Like now it's like, you know, 100% of your members are locked in and things like that. And I think the idea coming out of COVID, at least for us, is go, is going, we don't ever want to be in a situation where more of our people need care than what we can possibly provide. 
and what we what we want to be able to provide. Yeah. And so I think at least in that sense around our church, it's, it, it's kind of maybe there's a little more awareness. And this is anecdotal, sure, but maybe a little bit more awareness of people and knowing where they're at and um, checking on them and, and the onus being put on the congregation to go, I can care for this person and I need to care for this person because I know that they're in a bad way right now. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think about the sheep in our church, the the members, um, I, I can sense even in the last few weeks, well, he, he, here's how I would put it. I think like we're going through Job right now as a church. And I think a lot of people are, are help, being helped by, by Job to think about Job and apply Job to their life and apply suffering to their suffering. I can also, I don't have a better way to put it, but just feel like when Job's done, we'd really like to be done talking about our own suffering. <laughs> like we we like for the pastor to quit looking at us like a bunch of uh. wounded, tired sheep <laughs> and think, you know, tell us something different about ourselves, you know. I mean, obviously, every message in Job is gospel, victory, and help, and lack of fear, and justification in Christ, but that's just the kind of, that's the air that Job is, right? And so, for example, we're, we're going to, Job, we're going to be done in November, we're going to start the book of Acts next year. And I, for me, that represents... Is that going to be like, like two, three sermons? How many are you going to do? It's going to be a lot. I'm going to do it as slow as I can, actually, and get as many as I can out of it. So, and I'm not, I'm not serious. Like, it will be, like, Job has been get in, get out, get some high view level. I'm even skipping some chapters. I'm going from 1819 to 2425 next week. Um, Acts, we're going to squeeze it for everything it's worth. And because it's on the backside of a, a moment in our church that started March 14th, 2020. And so I want it to define our, as much as I can and as much as the preaching does, aside from other pastoral leadership, to really mark where are we as a church and how should we think about the culture around us. Well, Acts is going to think about the culture around us and our moment and our state differently than Job. And it's going to send us outward. It's going to have our eyes looking outward. So I, I'm thinking, even though I look at my congregation, I, I see a lot of suffering. I still see a lot of tiredness. I still see uh, a, a lot of struggles. I still see fellowship that is increasing and increasing and some fellowship that is still weak and low. Generally, I'm beginning to notice kind of a, um, yeah, we're kind of done living in COVID mentally, you know, mm -hmm. masks have been gone for a while. I still sometimes get out of my truck and instinctively wonder if I need a mask at this place. Those places are gone now, except for the hospital, but, um, mentally and spiritually, I think our people are, I just, there's multiple conversations where I'm just, I'm, I'm gathering as an overseer, like, we don't want to be COVID anymore, you know, even if they're not putting those words to it. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about where we are. Um, mm -hmm. your, your, your thoughts on your, your congregation or 
congregation in, in the West in regards to kind of how the sheep are doing? Um, yeah, I think um, kind of what I was saying earlier that that the at least I can speak to, to my congregation. I think um, we've kind of been long past COVID, and we're like really beginning to see the fruit of ministry into the community. And um, we are, and I think maybe this is for the good, but I think people are really, um, the people that are coming are hungry for not only the word being preached, but are hungry for the, uh, for prayer Mm -hmm. uh, and see the, need for prayer even if the even if we don't understand the theology of prayer um, but seeing the the need for it and seeing the effectiveness of prayer in God um, answering our prayers and uh, continuing to provide for our congregation even though we can't necessarily see the need um, we started uh, doing a, a prayer meeting every Tuesday morning Six forty-five to seven fifteen, so thirty minutes of prayer, mm-hmm. and Who we basically Who, who's coming to that. Um, it's a handful of people in our congregation. But I mean, is I it told o- people is it like I'm, open, or did you invite a few people to it? Or no, I, it, it open to the whole congregation. Anybody yeah. that wants to show up, yeah, we meet in the in our sanctuary or our, our auditorium, yeah, and basically just uh, we go through. 30 minutes, like the first few minutes are praying for ourselves and our families, people that are immediately in our sphere. Then the second section is probably the longest. It's praying for uh, our church and specific things, you know, hey, we have debt on this and we want to pay this off. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want want to see visitors and members join our church. We want to see visitors come um, to praying for all the ministries that we do and, and that the Lord would bring people and um, and praying for maybe even particular people that might be hurting or perhaps that are on a member care list or something like that. Right. And, um, and But praying for our church. And then we go just item by item. Usually each item is like a minute. You know, just pray for this, pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. And everybody kind of prays to themselves. And then at the end of that little section, then I'll pray for just kind of generally for that that whole thing. And then the last is praying for the world. And there's normally an item or two on that that uh, is of, of particular importance. And, and I've just been encouraged by what we've, what we've already begun to see the Lord moving in our congregation and the way he's um, just been faithful to us to answer those uh, prayers and respond to them. And, um, you know, and, and so I, I, I sense from that, that um, I think I've even, you know, been able to see uh, just the fruit of those prayers born out in the life of our church itself as we've prayed for unity and we pray for a desire for growth and we've prayed for genuineness in worship and we've prayed for a lot of things that you might think would be just kind of general prayers that um, yet when when you uh, analyze the state of the sheep now, uh, it seems as though there has been a great effectiveness there that the Lord has done something. And of course, it's anecdotal, I'm sure, but that that people are genuinely growing and are expressing um, expressing as much 
and stating a desire to grow more and mm-hmm. um, and we're seeing people come whose desire is for that and yeah. uh, seeing you know a ministry like um, it, we did, we started an ESL ministry and seeing some of the people that have come to that ESL then actually even come to our church and um, you know there are people whose for whom English is a second language to them mm-hmm. you know and that and so that's been encouraging and so there's just been. I think um, on one end, a desire to say like we really, if if we're going to be together as a church body, we be we must be serious. This is not a, just a casual acquaintance that we've met here in Christ. This is a serious family that we've been brought into, and I think there's been some fostering of that, and perhaps COVID has been maybe a catalyst to some of that. Mm-hmm. And then on the on the backside of that, or maybe connected to that, is. A desire then to take what we have and actually give this to other people and invite other people into it, and so that has been uh, really encouraging too. So you know, for all the things that we might say, you know, COVID has done, that has been like maybe negative or maybe that you might feel like maybe lament some lamentation over. There's there's on the other side, maybe it's also made us healthier in some respects, Mm -hmm. you know, in many respects. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, with the challenge, and we know this from Scripture, I was studying Romans this week in Simeon Trust with Romans 5, uh, 1 through 11. You you have that, you know, ch- that sanctifying chain from suffering to um, uh, which ends in hopefulness. And I think that's always God's purpose in, in suffering. It's always God's purpose in hardship. You know, it, it, it's not wasted on him. Uh, it's not in his way. It's not something that he's trying to figure out. You know, it's something that he's using. So I think even in all of our tiredness and even in all of our, uh, you know, disconnection from one another, we're, 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 our, our church, I see, is still learning lessons about ourselves and, uh, you know, growing in, uh, in, in fellowship together. Um, and so I, 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 I think there could potentially be a, a closer knit fellowship on the other side of COVID than there, than there was before. Um, mm-hmm. Not to disparage the, you know, the church that was there, but um, that, could, that could form more neatly even in the, in, in the months to come for, for our church in the years to come. So, um, so yeah, thankful for that. Um, think, thinking about shepherds in the church— um, this would be an easy one for us to, you know, belabor for a, a while. But um, the the state of the shepherds in in the church in America, uh, and myself and yourself, um, it. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna just get a couple things out of the way really quickly. The the statistics are out there, and the conversations I've had are are clear. A lot of pastors have wanted to quit churches. Yep. Some of their churches have closed the door. Yep. Um, I, I've talked to pastors who you know lost half their church and went into uh, depression. Churches mm-hmm. where the pastor wasn't sure if he should even be a pastor anymore. Pastors, right. we had two churches close their door in the last two weeks, and one very long-term pastor resigned from his ministry in a big church in Austin. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, I heard someone in our last uh, monthly meeting, one of our pastors said, you know, I did Muslim ministry for 10 years in Turkey. And 
this this things I've been going through more more recently have really got me down. It's like like I did Muslim ministry in Turkey, but this has really got me down. You know, like yeah. he's he's even surprised himself, like uh, how how much this has yeah. affected him. So yeah. it's um, I I we could belabor that all all day. That, that's no secret. There's plenty written about that and posted about that. But um, I mean, I, I would just say the same for myself. You know, you ask a lot of questions about yourself, what you can do, your your leadership. Are you any good at this? Is this the right fit? Are you um, are you just tired, exhausted? Don't want don't want to get up some days uh, all those things um so yeah i've i've felt that as well and i i like i talked about my church i think i feel myself you know uh one day like still exhausted from covid like just tired from the last three years but then 10 minutes later let me read my bible and, and pray and spend time with a member um and i'm like let's let's go like here, here we go yeah what is i cannot wait to see uh what's next um so i've i've been all over the place too and that's just been some of the most respected pastors that i know faithful pastors really soul searching um and and, and fighting their own discouragements and, and inabilities and even their failures i mean not just like feeling tired from uh, you know, the struggle, but having made mistakes, you know, I'm not even sure I'm aware of all the mistakes I've made during COVID. Um, I know some. <laughs> and so, you know, it, just dealing with that too, not just things that have happened to you, but dealing with your own, uh, your, your own inadequacies and, and failures in the moment. So um, I, I think that's pretty general. And I would say it's true for me, anything you would add or anything that's different from your perspective. I think I have not talked to one pastor who didn't feel like they absolutely failed during COVID. Yeah. Not one. Yeah. Every single one of them. Um, whether it was, you know, all the complications or dealing with members or, or, or things like that or feeling like, where are the members? I don't, I don't even know, you know, anymore or like losing touch or, or a number of different things that could have happened. I have not talked to one that did not feel like an absolute failure following COVID. And then it has been a mixed bag coming out of that in regards to how they feel now. So I think if you talk to, like me, for instance, uh, I actually feel really excited about uh, things that are going on now and probably more so than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But other pastors I've talked to, even having uh, lunch with one recently, that is you know, really hurting and, you know, really kind of uh, questioning, just like you said, um, his own, you know, ability to pastor a church and things like that. And and there really seems to be no rhyme or reason in particular to one's, um, you, you know, feeling of inadequacy versus one's optimism. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, uh, it seems to be the way that the enemy particularly attacks at particular moments with particular people. Yeah. And so I think that that's, that's one of the hard things maybe for congregate for members of the congregation to, to understand is that there, you know, some, some, some members of the congregation may think that their pastor feels like they've got it all together and they've really, you know, they're rocking this pastor thing, you know, 
And I would just say that that's very a very small percentage of pastors out there who are who are genuinely I mean, wanting to pastor on their yeah, feel that way. Pre COVID, who's saying that? You know, I hope for right not too many. Yeah, and so then so so maybe some maybe some members of the congregation might think, yeah, I think I think my pastor thinks he's really great at this. Mm-hmm. In reality, most pastors, every pastor that I know, including myself, all feel like they're on some spectrum of failure. <laughs> right. you know? yeah. like, like, you know, uh, <laughs> a good thing the Lord is in control of this <laughs> because, um, you know, because it is, it is incredibly difficult and, um, you know, you, you always second guess everything, you yeah. know? And so I, I think depending on the day and depending on the circumstance of the church, those feelings grow really loud in between your ears yeah. because you look around and you go, not only do I feel this way, but I look around and I see evidence of it, yeah. you know, versus I feel this way, but I look around and I see health and growth and vitality. And so I'm optimistic, you know, right. yeah. you know, you're usually in one or the other. And I guess so it depends on how the church is responding at any given moment is how the pastor feels about his own future, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And that that's a, I think a scary thing, and I don't know that that's necessarily tied to COVID, but but certainly amplified by it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're putting all those things together: uh, the wilderness, the sheep, and the shepherds. What do we do? I mean, part of our job is uh, think. So what do we what do we do? How how do we respond to this? Um, what are what are some things you're thinking right now about the the church in the moment, uh, and how we think about this? First first thoughts come to mind. Um, how frequently the New Testament, in particular, calls for endurance, mm-hmm. and it's not called endurance because it's a downhill, easy ride. Yeah. It's called endurance because it's uphill, it's often grueling, and it's grueling in many different ways. Sometimes the winds of the culture are against you. Yeah. Sometimes uh, the tires that you're traveling on are flat. Um, and other times people are throwing things at you. Yep. You know, but the call is endurance. And no one makes it out alive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think what Paul says in Romans 15, 4, and 5 is of particular importance for us as pastors, for us as members of church. He says, for whatever was written in the in former days was written for our instruction, mm-hmm. that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Mm-hmm. Which I think is particularly uh, kind of a jarring statement in the sense that he sums up the entire Old Testament as being written for our instruction Hmm. that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then he says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. So 
it, it's, you know, the scriptures are there for this purpose that we would endure and be encouraged. And God is the master of endurance and encouragement. He has endured with patience those whom he loves and has saved them. And he is giving us the gift of endurance by his spirit and encouraging us through the scriptures, through each other, that we might live in harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. So Mm. I think um, the call is really no different than it was pre-COVID, during COVID, after COVID. It's a call for endurance. Yes, things are hard. Things will get harder. Sometimes they may be easier, but the the but call is sense, still to press on. There's a sense in which, like, so to use the term pre-COVID, like, and you and I were talking earlier, I think it was before we were recording, like, everything's pre-COVID now. Everything's pre-COVID, after COVID. Well, before COVID or after COVID. Yeah. Before yeah. COVID, I don't think there was as much a heightened sense. Like, we, I, we were just, I just felt like we were more comfortable in our culture and in our society, even though the statistics were there already, that we're a minority, um, it feels different now. So the call to endurance hits different now. Is that fair? Yeah. In what way do you think it, it hits different now? Well, we feel like we're enduring, like we're exhausted, like we're, yeah. we, we've been through something and we come out on the other side and, oh, it's not just COVID, like the wilderness, the landscape is yeah. different in the yeah. West. Politics is worse. LGBTQ identity is a, is a yeah. much bigger deal than it ever was. Uh, inflation, yeah. war. I mean, just there's a, there's a host of things, and there's always stuff like that going on in every generation. But, I mean, we're talking about between 2020 and today, there's just a lot that would make us make messages about endurance sound different than it did March 13th, 2020, I would say. Yeah, I mean, in the sense that that the call to endurance now actually has some teeth to it, right? That that it's you know you're you you may be I, mean, I don't know how to put this in relationship to a marathon, but you may be on mile twenty four, and you're hearing somebody say endure. That means something different to you than somebody giving you a pep talk before you start the marathon. You know, um, well, it's when like, you're well into it. I mean, it, it's it's like was it Constantine who made the Christianity, the the religion of Rome. Yeah, legalized Christianity. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, it's like telling that. I mean, when when I think it was Claudius in forty eight fifty one something like that expelled all the Jews, including the Christian Jews, from Rome. I mean, preach the same message of endurance to the Christians who are under Claudius and the Christians who are under Constantine, and see if they hear it differently. It applies to both truly and spiritually because of where we are in the history of redemption but it's going to land differently yeah to those guys who are packing up their bags and finding a new home outside rome versus those guys who are like hey we we're in we're the majority now in rome we're yeah yeah christianity is is welcome here uh yeah so it that that's kind of where i feel like we are we're we're, we're kind of closer to Claudius's days in, in some respects, not to over-exaggerate. Um, and so that, that call to endurance is uh, it's going to require more of God. Not that it ever didn't, but it's just we're, we're more aware that we're not going to endure unless God helps us endure. And the Word and the church helps each other endure. Um, otherwise, we just won't because a lot of people aren't. 
I mean, that's the whole point. We we're talking about the sheep earlier and people not coming back, people leaving the church. They're not enduring. Yeah. And it just is, it, some are falling away. Yeah. Some are falling out of love with the local church. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think and I do think there's a, um, it does have more teeth to it. It does land differently. Um, being in the midst of like, you know, kind of realizing the rubber is meeting the road now. And yeah. this is not as easy as it once was. You know, we really do. The call to endurance is a serious one. And, yeah. and, and I don't think, and that's another thing, you know, I don't, I think, um, we don't have time. I think maybe I'm, re- I realize that maybe more that we don't have time in the church to really kind of play social club, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's really not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. And uh, you realize like the social club in, in, in times when, um, you know, pandemics hit and things like that, social clubs disappear. Mm-hmm. I mean, they vanish like yeah. a vapor. And mm-hmm. the church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a social club. And and when we treat it like a social club, then it acts like a social club in the midst of a pandemic. But when we treat it like a church, it actually strengthens our relationship with Christ in the midst of all kinds of difficulty. So endurance, the call to endurance is an important one, but it's not just keep doing what we were doing before. It's really understand what our purpose is transcends this world, mm-hmm. you know, and we're testifying to the gospel and it is the most important thing that we do. So we need to get serious about that. And remember that this is what we're put here on this earth for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The I've thought about Acts a lot because we're, we're starting that and in January. And one of the things I think the uh, just just like the call to endurance landed maybe differently today than it did you know, in, you know, three years ago, uh, I'm hoping the Acts lands differently too because... Uh, Acts is, it, it's, it begins with uh, the charge and the commission uh, that the Spirit is going to come. You're going to be empowered to be His witnesses, the witnesses of Christ and the gospel to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then the book of Acts follows that geographic pattern, Judea, Jamaria. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> it follows outward to the ends of the earth in Paul, and, and it ends with Rome. So, and on the way, you have all these challenges. You have yeah. division within the church. You have doctrinal challenges. You have uh, leaders getting killed. You have Evangelistic challenges. shipwrecks. You have demonology that you face when you get out there. And the word can't be stopped. You can't stop it. It won't. It, it's unstoppable that the spirit-empowered word is going to meet every challenge and keep going. Yep. So I'm, I'm praying and, and I'm hoping. You know, I'm not. Thi- I don't think I'm thinking too revivalistic about next year, but I am trying to be really aware of where we are in a moment of, of our church and how Acts. I'm hoping lands for for our church. 
to help us yeah. go from, you know, we, we might still, it's all the same challenges are going to be there. The, the government's going to be the same. The, you know, if it's not COVID, it's going to be something else. Um, but that our, our minds are, you know, going out into the wilderness to, with the word, trusting, you can't stop it. Yeah. Um, so that's one way I'm thinking about our church uh, endurance uh, as well. Um, but I also want to be careful that, um, you know, thinking about what the, the church needs and our structure and even my priorities as a pastor, um, still not being too reactionary. As if, what are the things that our church needs? Well, let the moment define everything that we need. I want to be careful with that, that uh, what, what do we need? Fellowship, the preaching of the word, careful membership, grow in love, you know, helping one another follow Jesus in discipleship. Like those things just don't change. Uh, they, they didn't, you know, what we need as a church did not sig- become significantly different before and after COVID. So in some ways, I feel led to really double down as a pastor on normal means of grace, on our Absolutely. church our church being built, on the preaching of the word, care for one another as a church, joyfully building up the body of Christ for the glory of God through making maturing disciples, like doubling down on that rather than figuring out what, what do we do next and where do we go next, but... Right. No, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're actually gonna hedge all of our bets back on that thing that is the fundamental thing, uh, and right. keep, keep keep pursuing that and let that be our identity and our motivation and um, how we how we respond to the moment is yeah. with really old stuff, like biblical yeah. stuff, like stuff that's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So when did you say your coffee shop is is gonna be finished inside your sanctuary? You mean Hebrews? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Misogynistic. We don't even. <laughs> we're not even making coffee on Sunday mornings right now. So I'd love to just uh, get coffee going again. I mean, I've got coffee you know, outside we, my office, but we're, uh, yeah. We switched to a Keurig. <laughs> we were yeah. making coffee, but we just switched to a Keurig because it's like. How much coffee are we throwing away every week? Oh, like, just, yeah, like in the full year, you mean for everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like here's your here's a pod, fill up as much as you want, you yeah. know? Yeah. I like, so, that. I like that idea. How's it going? Fine. I mean, yeah. you only spend as much as you, as you use. Yeah. You know, as opposed to before we were brewing even worse tasting coffee and throwing most of it away. <laughs> well, that's so, like we had really good coffee. We had some local yeah. brewers with their coffee that we ground up and put in a big percolator. Mm, yeah. Local brewers? You mean local roasters? Roast. What, what kind of coffee you sell? <laughs> what kind of coffee you put down there? Well, it, in, in Austin... No wonder brewery, your people are tired like, now. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder everyone's falling asleep in the sermon. <laughs> the, in, in Austin, having a brewery and a coffee shop in, in the same building is increasingly popular. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, you, you 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 click the wrong button, you could get a case of beer instead of your <laughs> your, your, weekly, uh, your weekly ground. So you got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I, one, uh, one thing I will say 
is I'm so thankful for multiple relationships in my church, for uh, mm-hmm. friends, for our mm-hmm. elders, f- having watched members endure. I mean, just endure. I mean, just survival mode so many days. Um, and look at them still there and singing and working to make disciples and help each other follow Jesus. And um, I'm thankful for pastors in town. Like, I just don't know what I would do without those guys to learn from and be encouraged from. Um, how many days you and I may have talked each other off of a, a ledge, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> metaphorically speaking, um, that, you know, just bring you back to a place of hopefulness and thoughtfulness when your spirits are down. Um, Mm. And so I think, too, that there's those memories, and they're not all glorious romantic memories. You know, there's a lot of places I failed, the church failed, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of places I look back and I'm like, COVID created some memories of the church that are wonderful, that that wouldn't have been there if we hadn't gone through that together. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm learning and seeing it like that now as we continue to put that two year window of COVID in the rearview mirror. Uh, and our, ours, I mean, we did online services for two years. Yeah, two years. We started meeting before that, but we kept our online streaming going for two years. Which maybe we could do a yeah. podcast on. Why well, we'll never do that again? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give, you, I'll give you the last last thought. Anything else encouraging you right now about where where you are, where the where the church is on this side of COVID? Yeah, I mean, just in, I think the encouragement maybe to all of us, uh, pastors, members alike, is um, especially in light of what you mentioned. Culturally speaking, is you know difficult, and every day the news is filled with kinds of headlines that are challenging. I think the imperative for us in the endurance, in the sphere of endurance, is to maybe not focus so much on what's going, what's happening outside of the garden that God has put you in, but instead focusing on what He's put right before you. Put your head down and go to work every day. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've been put here on mission for His kingdom, and um, and I think that the the imperative for us is endure no matter what what the garden in front of us looks like no matter how many weeds no matter how many stumps just continue to plow it's not going to be fixed in a day it's not going to be fixed in a lifetime it's just little by little be faithful in what he's given you yeah absolutely that's good awesome man what do you what do you book are you preaching through right now remind me first First Samuel. samuel how's that going it's going well, I think. Um, I think people have, you know, responded pretty well to it, and um, you know, uh, so I think the, you know, it's tough to tell because you know the feedback's been positive, but it's Pastor Appreciation Month, so, <laughs> so, so, so you never know. Uh, but I guess we'll find out next month. Uh, no, I think. I think it's been I think it's been pretty well received and and um, I think a lot of people went into it maybe sort of with a little bit of pessimism, going, uh, "What does the Old Testament mean to me now?" You know, yeah, and uh, and thinking maybe perhaps 
that it that there wasn't much in First Samuel that would apply to me in a New Testament context, and and uh, you know, much are we finding mm. that is still true to this? Do day. you have five stones like on your desk now? One says faith. One says you know trust. One is righteousness. One is you know the stones for Goliath in the bag, so that you have. Like, I've been watching day. Facing the Giants every day. Every day. <laughs> Leading up to First Samuel seventeen, <laughs> just you got to conquer your giants, oh, be a man, man like David. There you go. You know, <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. See you next week, All man. Right. All right, later. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast.